Lead Time is a weekly dose of leadership insights and interviews from Tim Allman and Jake Bessling. Lead Time is for any leader living in a busy world looking to be inspired, equipped, and empowered to lead others to their fullest potential. This is Lead Time. Welcome to Lead Time. Today is the day the Lord has made. Jacob Besslein and I are here to rejoice in it with you. Do you like when I call you Jacob? I love it. Okay, cool. (laughs) So thanks for joining us, listeners. Just to let you know that Lead Time listening community, the Lead Time listening community is growing. We currently have between... Hello, 200 to 500 downloads Thank per you. episode. Uh, Jake, want to take a guess which one was the most listened to? We when predicted. our wives were here, That's thanks exactly for listening. Right. They did a this great is job. Wonderful. Way to go, Alexa and Nicolette. So if you've not subscribed to us on iTunes, please do so soon. Also, sharing on social media, commenting also goes a long way in getting the word out. You're probably wondering, though, these two pastor dudes in Gilbert, Arizona, do they ever work? Well, this is work. Why are you guys doing lead time? Two pastors. We have three main purposes. One, we want to let you behind the curtain. Number one, it's fun to learn from local leaders, man. Hear their stories. Who are making a big difference, expanding the kingdom of Jesus Christ. We love hearing great testimonies, and I hope you do too on this lead time production of how God is at work in simple and really profound ways. The second reason we do lead time is we want to offer real-time leadership help for pastors and church leaders, paid and non-paid. We are practitioners who are trying to blend first, second, and third article realities together to change the world with the gospel of Jesus. The first article, how did God make the world, also known as systems, um, processes. What types of systems did he put in place that if unlocked could change the way uh, the church shares the gospel in the 21st century? Second article, we We love sharing the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That is the gospel. The third article, we love experiencing the passion of the Holy Spirit who breathes life into leaders' lives, and the world is therefore changed. So put simply, we are leaders looking to create a Trinitarian-focused leadership revolution. Say that fast. Trinitarian-focused leadership revolution so that every knee would bow, every tongue would confess that Jesus is both Lord and Christ. Words like leadership multiplication, empowerment, and mission are not in opposition to words like confessional and conservative Christianity. All of these themes should be explored, connected to scripture by church leaders. The third one is this. Our church body, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, Missouri Synod, needs stories of pastors who collaborate on mission to reach the lost. Tim and I are generally like each other. Yes, we're different people, but our differences make our ministry life that much more effective and fun. I mean, too often in the church, pastors and church leaders compete. They compete for the Christian market share. Like there is only so much Christianity and Christians to attract. Come on. We sometimes think, oh man, what happens if he's a better preacher than me? Man, what happens if if she's a better teacher or leader than me? Does that mean my ministry is invalid? Come on, this sort of thinking needs to end among church leaders. It starts with you. Ain't nobody got time for that, Jake. Me. It starts with us. No one got time for comparison, competition, and insecurity. We're better than that. We're children of the living God. It is damaging to our gospel witness as the body of Christ, each member with its own different part. So we're doing lead time to model two normal dudes who have grave clothes And we need one another to help us gently unbind them. All so that we can live the fully alive, resurrected 
Jesus life that he came to offer. Man, that dude died for your sins and he rose again, Christ crucified. To summarize, lead time is all about stories, leadership, and collaboration. That's a great segue, Jake, to our topic for today. Today, Jake and I are, it's just the two of us, just the two. Today, we are going to wrap in depth about one of our favorite stories from John chapter 11, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. Last April and May, we did a four-part sermon series, uh, Easter season, that you could watch at cglchurch.org. So to start with, we're going to read the story, and we'll take some pauses as we read it and just see what Jesus wants us to see connected to his word. This episode is much more devotional in nature. This is fun. We haven't done something like this. So you could pull out your smartphone, um, Apple, Android, your actual Bible that's a book with pages and <laughs> with look words at on it. <laughs> John chapter 11 in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John was an eyewitness mm-hmm. of these events and he wrote so that many would believe. Right. And so maybe you're listening today and you're like, I, I'm a I'm a leader out there, but I don't yet actually believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's a good time to check in on this podcast, John chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who was anointed by the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair. Beautiful story. Whose brother Lazarus was ill. Verse three. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister Um, Mary and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he went to him right away. Nope. It says he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Man, isn't that surprising? What are we supposed to make though of Jesus waiting? Blows my mind. An extra two days. Come on, Jesus, move along. He waits an extra two days. What are we supposed to make of Jesus waiting an extra two days before coming to his friend, Tim? Hmm. This question literally highlights one of the greatest theological mysteries that's out there. Where is God in the midst of pain and suffering? Well, simply put, Jesus is right there in your pain, even when it gets tough. Hebrews chapter four says it like this. Since then, we have a great high priest. This is Jesus who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our times of need. So how does that make you feel, Jake, that even though in this story, we know Jesus is going to show up, um, but he waits. How does it make you feel, though, that Jesus even in the midst of that suffering and and trial, he is sitting there with you, even when it feels like he's not near. It gives me a lot of comfort and hope. It reminds me of a metaphoric story of a couple that was in a pickup truck and they started their marriage off and they're just sitting there and someone's, one of them, I'm not going to say the man or the woman's driving, doesn't really matter, but one of them is driving the car and, you know, they're in love. And so that other person, the spouse is sitting right next to them. Hmm. And they are really close in that pickup, driving along the roads of life. And over time, one of those members uh, just kind of inched over to the right side, all the way to the other side of the pickup. 
And years later, as they got into the car one day and they, they felt like they had drifted away, um, the person on the right looked at the spouse on the left and said, man, what's happened? There's distance between us. And the driver said, well, you did. You did move away. And so Jesus is right there in the midst of all of this. It's us that don't recognize it. We move away. We don't recognize that he's sitting right there with us to offer us hope and a future in the midst of the pain. Jesus often makes us wait so that we're all the more dependent upon him. If he simply healed us immediately, we'd probably become like the nine lepers who don't even give thanks. We'd love the healing and forget the healer. Our goal as followers of Jesus is to not drift away from him as the driver of our life. Mm. As we wait on his healing, so it is in Romans 5, that we learn to rejoice in our suffering, knowing it produces perseverance, character, and hope. So look back over your life. I've rarely heard people say, you know what I learned the most when I was on top of the world? I think of the image of uh, in Titanic. Remember that? I'm the king of the world. I'm the king of the world. I love, I, all I remember I love is never Leo. let go. I love Leo and never that let movie. go. Yeah, never just don't right here, let go. right here. <laughs> so cold, Jack. Anyway, uh, you rarely learn the most when you're on top of the world, when you're the king of the world, when everything's going your way. You rarely say, you know what? That was the sweetest time of growth for me. How often do you hear that story? You really don't. We're, we're maybe thankful for it, but we're probably not learning. No, we grow through our struggles. Remember the stories of Jesus healing. Uh, the word for healing is actually sozo in Greek. You want to say that, Jake? Sotso. Sotso. Very good. Uh, it's also translated to be made well. Uh, remember when the woman with the bleeding problem in Mark chapter 5 touched Jesus' garment. Jesus then says, your faith has made you well. Sotso saved you. So Christian, as Jesus comes to you through his word, as you remember your baptismal identity, as you receive his body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins, you have been sozoed, you have been healed, you have been saved, you've been made well. So Jesus has not waited for you. He has saved you through the waters of baptism. Your sins are forgiven, you are healed and saved. Even when it feels like Jesus is waiting, remember, he's already come and he is with you. But still, in Lazarus' story, Jesus did wait. So the story continues. In verse 7 of John chapter 11, then after this, he, Jesus, said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. What, if, what is Jesus talking about? With all of this light and darkness conversation, well, let's break it down like this. Jesus is the light of the world. There is no darkness in or around Jesus and his presence. Jesus' disciples are fearing for their safety. Jesus is using this figure of speech to let the disciples know that if they are with Jesus, man, they are safe and secure. Leader, what is one of the main stealers of joy and creativity for you? I think it can be summarized often in one word, fear, fear of the unknown, fear of death, fear of judgment, fear, 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 leader, the perfect love of Jesus. One of my favorite verses, it casts out fear. You don't need to be crippled by it anymore. 
The light of the world lives in you. You're not in the darkness of ignorance, evil, or death. The light and life of men is with you, and he is in you. Isn't that the mind blow, Jake, that Jesus actually lives in us? So why, therefore, are you giving into that spirit of fear when Jesus is here? I get passionate about this topic because I've heard pastors and church leaders speak with fear. And it sounds kind of like this. Well, I don't know if I can do, oh man, that new mission activity. I'm afraid some people won't want to do it. Well, I'm pretty sure if I make this tough leadership move, man, the church is going to be split. They're going to leave. They're, they're all going to leave. Stop it. <laughs> just, just stop it. Ask Jesus to help you stop that sort of a mentality. You're being governed by fear. You're stumbling around in the darkness when the light of Jesus is with you. Church leader, go. Risk. <laughs> Lazarus is our dead and in need of life all around you. Be like Jesus. Don't let the fear of your people keep you from shepherding uh, like Jesus. Okay, I'm, I'm done, Jake, with that little rant. But seriously, ask Jesus for help with your, with your fear. You got to go to Judea. You got to go to Jerusalem. You know what, what lies ahead. But people are dying and in need of resurrection life. So our story continues. After saying these things, verse 11, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go to awaken him. He's that good. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought that he meant taking rest in sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, <laughs> plainly, they got to get it here. Lazarus has died, and for your sake, I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So Thomas, I'd be confused at that point. Mm -hmm. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, he gets pretty uh, dark here, let us also go, that we, we may die with him. I mean, what sort of tone do you think Thomas had? Let your imagination go it could have been sarcastic. Let it us go could that have we may die with him. And a scared tone. Uh, I chose to read, I ch we choose to read this with a bold tone. Peter and now Thomas have said that they go to die with Jesus. They are that committed. They are first chair Christians and Christ followers. We obviously know their willpower is going to fall short like ours is as well. But for now, they follow Jesus and they follow him even to Lazarus's tomb on this journey. Verse 17. Now, when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus has already been in the tomb for four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am, ego me, the great I am. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God who is coming into the world. Listener, what amazes you about Martha and Mary's different responses? Here's what we see. Everyone grieves differently. Martha, she runs to Jesus, but Mary is frozen in her grief. 
I love Martha's face here, faith here. A lot of times we throw her under the bus, right? I pray that more of us could live with that robust hope for the resurrection of the dead. Life would change if we lived with that sort of expectation. So Jake, what is our ultimate Christian hope? Let's talk about hope just for a second. What is our ultimate Christian hope? It's this, right? To die and go to heaven to be with Jesus. Isn't that right? Man, you sound like a bad children's message. (laughs) You ever thought we sit with our kids at the children's message and and we say, hey, kids, you want to believe in Jesus, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because then when you die, you get to go to heaven. Now, all of that is true. But no, come on, man. It's it's for heaven, Jesus himself, to come to earth once again, his kingdom come, his return, and the dead to be raised with brand new bodies. So change those lines in your children's messages and in your preaching. And Christian leader out there, in the way you interact with people, The witness of Jesus is not that we'd go to a far off place, but Jesus would return to raise the dead. And the hope that we have is not some wishy-washy, could be, not sure if it's going to happen, but it's a sure and certain hope. This is going to happen. Just as Jesus has gone into the clouds and ascended and seated at the right hand of the Father, who's in charge? Jesus is in charge. He is king. He's coming back and he loves you and he'll take him Take you to be where he is as a follower of Jesus, which will be in the new heaven and new earth. That's hope. Thanks for straightening me out there. Oh, you knew this. You knew this. Come on. Thanks, man. No, Martha lived with that sort of hope. She believed in the resurrection of the dead. She just wasn't so sure that it would happen uh, for her to see. So we're moving now to verse 28. And when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. Where in your life is the teacher, Jesus, calling for you? Where are you dealing with grief, guilt, shame, and you are just frozen with fear? Right now, hear Jesus calling for you. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. Verse 29. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supporting, supposing, supposing, sorry, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also kept this man from dying? Over what is Jesus weeping? in your life. He's so kind. When Jesus sees you weeping, he doesn't say, man, suck it up. Come on again. Don't you know what I can do? Where is your faith? No, 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 no. That's not our Jesus. Instead, Jesus weeps with those who weep. He mourns with those who mourn. Maybe you're weeping over your your insecurities, over your tough hurts, habits, hangups, your addictions, over unmet dreams that you thought would be a reality by now, over a recent or ongoing diagnosis, 
over the loss of a loved one. Jesus weeps too. We're not going to move on too quick. Just sit with this amazing news of the gospel of Jesus. Just sit with Jesus. He's weeping with you. I've seen the incredible power of weeping with those who weep. I give myself permission, not just as a pastor, but as a human being, to deeply feel the pain of others, especially at funerals. I tear up quite a bit. I can't fix the pain of others. I wish I could, but only Jesus can. And so we wait on Jesus to speak, knowing that in the meantime, he is weeping with us. Verse 38, then Jesus, deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, doesn't even use Lazarus's name there, Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. You see, the spirit of Lazarus, even for the pagan who believed, um, the spirit hovered over the body for three days. They now believe that spirit was gone. So Lazarus was dead, dead, dead. Verse 40, Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out. Can you picture this? His hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. One of my favorite images of this entire story, Jake, is Lazarus coming out of the tomb, clumsy, awkward, unable to see, weighed down by 75 pounds of oil to make him not smell as bad. I Go with me here just for a moment. I picture it being a scene like uh, where you need the poo gone odor stuff, you know? It's an awkward smell. It needs a spray, but it's not even fully covering it up. <laughs> you walk into the bathroom and you're like, man, that smells funky. Anyway, this is an awkward scene. Lazarus is alive. It's an extraordinary miracle, but he needs help unbinding his, his grave claws. Leader, let's get practical and apply this to your life. What are your grave clothes And who is helping unbind those grave clothes for you? Every single day, we have sin that tightly clings to us. We can't run the race of faith without help from others to be unbound. You can't walk without good friends to help you unbind your grave clothes. It's a good thing Lazarus had friends. Tim, let's get honest. Who helps to unbind your grave clothes, man? Yeah, honestly, Jake, you're one of those people on my crew that helped me become unbound. I can't imagine doing ministry without partners in the gospel like you. And we have many others on our team here at Christ Greenfield. My wife helps. Uh, Amazing. Alexa, you are a gift to me. But honestly, there are certain things that she should not hear, especially as I bear the grave claws of others. So I'm a strong believer of outside help consultants and friends. I have one non-Lutheran pastoral group of guys we get together to pray consistently, one Lutheran pastoral group and one counselor. 
all of these people and groups help me become become unbound. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. So what about you, Jake? Who helps you unbind Gravecloths? Yeah, very similar perspective of you, Tim. Thank you for your presence and listening ears uh, to sit in the midst of any pain that I've walked through in my life. My wife, Nicolette, is very honest with me in love. Mm -hmm. There's two men in our congregation that can listen, and it's taken a long time to build trust, and they are there for, yeah, the Lutheran prayer group um, and also the non-Lutheran Christian prayer group. That is a new thing for me, which is awesome. But the big takeaway I have is someone outside the system is a life coach, basically. Mm -hmm. His name is Larry from Texas. Hey, Larry. And so the fact that you can have those check-ins throughout your month to quarters where you need to reboot, restart, um, make sure that there aren't things that you're just being attached to in your heart and give that to Jesus. And it really helps to also tell that to someone else and so that they can remind you of the forgiveness of sins you have um, or give you some clear next steps yeah. on how to tackle that issue. Yeah, human beings are not meant to be alone. We are better together. To close out this story, it's interesting that Jesus didn't say, all right, y'all move back. I gotta do my Jesus thing. He had called him to life, right? Let's get theological here. He had called him out of the grave and yet he has friends around to help him. He could easily um, just he could move just, his boom. hand. Exactly. Go, the awkward nature of, of Lazarus also being naked underneath the grave was. <laughs> you need a circle of Give friends, some, shorts, some dudes around there. Give me some Cover clothes, me. you know. Cover me with some good. Make it look good, too. Give me a good outfit. Anyhow. Don't I pray, judge. <laughs> exactly. We've, we've, uh, we've gone downhill. Anyway, friends, we pray you've enjoyed this journey through the Lazarus life. Here's the reality. We are all Lazarus. We wait on Jesus. We reject fear. We believe Jesus can raise the dead. Then daily through faith, we are raised. And then we need help unbinding our grave claws. Share lead time with someone who needs to be encouraged. Jesus has wonderful things in store for you. The same spirit that raised Jesus and Lazarus from the dead lives in you. Live with resurrection, hope and joy and peace. Today is an amazing day. Today is a gift. God bless you. Peace be with you, and Jesus is right there with you. His Lord is King. Peace. Peace. You have been listening to Lead Time with Tim and Jake. Please subscribe at cglchurch.org backslash lead time. Thanks for listening. Tune in next Monday for another episode.